This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. I've talked a lot in the past about being a buy and hold investor, whether it was in discussing the investment philosophy of Warren Buffett or when I've devoted a whole podcast to great buy and hold investors, you know, those unknown kind of private mom and pop investors like you and I, who put a little money each month into stocks. And then lo and behold, when they pass away in their 90s, everyone discovers that they have a stock portfolio of, you know, millions of dollars and they're rich and they're all surprised because they never knew. And they're almost always, you know, a teacher or a secretary or librarian at these kind of regular middle class jobs. But just buying and holding over all those decades enabled them to get rich. So there's something about buy and hold investing and value investing that go hand in hand. Maybe it's because both involve patience. We have to be patient as a value investor because we're buying things that are out of favor that the rest of the market, for whatever reason, doesn't really like. And the same is true for buy and hold investors. You have to have tremendous patience to hold over long periods of time, because there's a lot of events, as we all know too well, that happen in there that can spook most investors. So what's the longest you've ever held a stock? The average length of time has been falling in the last decade or or so. Some are saying that's because of all the information that's out there now that that too many investors get spooked because it's right on their phone and they can see everything that's going on. But now it's under two years as a hold. So that's pretty low. And, you know, that kind of reflects what's going on out there and how difficult it is to be a buy and hold investor. But what if you did want to be one? You want to be a long-term buy and hold value investor. What kind of stocks would you own if you wanted to have a few that you were going to do that with to be a long-term investor? The longest I've owned a stock in my own personal portfolio is one I actually still own right now, and it's an oil company, Apache, that ticker is APA. I bought it all the way back in 2001. Um, I've added and sold some of that position over the years, but I still own some of the original shares So that's pretty good. That's 17 years so far. It's not easy. It's been a really long slog sometimes in there, especially with the recent downturn. That's when I was adding to my position again. But a lot can change with the company over that amount of time. So, you know, in terms of management and even the outlook and even sometimes what the company does can change over the course of a couple decades. So I thought let's keep it manageable and let's shoot to try to own some of these companies for just five years. Although that seems long, I know, for many of you. But we're going we're gonna to aim for five-year run here. So I did a screen to try to find value stocks that maybe we could own for the five years. So what I ran was... I looked for PEs under 15, which many of you know is my usual value metric. Some of you may prefer to use price to sales, which is a great value metric as well. But we're going to use the PE under 15 here. And then I did add the Zach's rank of one or two. And I know you're wondering, you know, why why would you add that, Tracy? Because... Uh, As you know, the Zach's rank is a short-term recommendation. It's only one to three months 
It's not meant to be used for long-term buy and hold investors, basically. But it is a good way to screen for companies, even if you have a long-term strategy, because what it does give us is companies with hopefully rising earnings estimates if they're the number one, the strong buy, and the number two buys. And as you know, the economy is really hot right now. So if you're not growing earnings now with the hot economy and the largest corporate tax cut in all of history, where will you be five years from now when it's not so great, when those tax cuts are built in? And um, who knows what the economy is doing five years from now? So if we're going to own that stock for five years, I want it to have good management. And that means it better have good management right now to deal with what's going to happen over the next couple of years. So that's why I include the Zach's rank. And then I also added a dividend of at least 1%. And I know I'm sure you're wondering, why would you do that? And it's a similar kind of philosophy. It goes to what the management is doing, that they're able to create the cash flow But it also goes to that if we're going to hold for five years, those dividends can really add up. People have been buying many of the big growth names. Some some pay the dividend, but many do not because you've been getting such a great return with those growth stocks. But if you read any stories about the buy and hold investors or the ones I've covered here on the podcast, inevitably... Most, if not all, of the stocks in um, the regular investor portfolios where, you know, they die and they're they're rich at the end, those have been dividend paying. Because if you're going to own something over longer than five years, the 40 or 50 years, a 2% dividend yield, even just as low as 2%, but, you know, even if you get something better than that, but a 2% dividend yield over that amount of time really compounds and can really add to your overall return in that stock. So that's why we're also including the dividend of at least 1%. I didn't include the market cap. I did want to get smalls in there and some of them do pay dividends. So they would qualify for this screen And, you know, that's probably why I got as many stocks as I got because I didn't put a market cap in there. So it returned 163 results, which is pretty good. I was pretty pleased with that because this isn't a super narrow screen, but it does have the ones and twos, which narrow it considerably. So 163 are value stocks with the PE under 15 and are paying at least a 1% dividend yield. So out of those 163, what five stocks are good buy and hold ideas? So I did take these mostly from a bunch of different industries because we want diversification. I don't want to own all of one sector. That shouldn't be surprising. And I think you'll be intrigued by some of these. So let's jump right into it. So the first stock is Progressive Corporation. The ticker is PGR. It's one of the largest automobile insurers in the United States. I know, right there when I said automobile insurer, you were like, Tracy, that's so boring. We're all in fang, and now you're giving me an automobile insurer. But remember, where would Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway be without GEICO? That was one of his greatest buys probably in his whole career was to buy an insurance company. So progressive market cap of $34 billion, So this is a large cap stock. Pays that dividend. It's 1.9% right now. Has a PE of 13.9. So I like that. It just reported earnings and it beat again. 
Um, I haven't, they haven't put in changes to the estimates yet, but 2018 earnings growth expected to be 60%. So that's pretty high. 2019 up just two, but again, some changes might be coming in now that they just beat on earnings again. Year to date, these shares are up 7.3%. Over the last two years, up 79%. So that's not too shabby for an insurance company that y'all consider to be boring. So Progressive Corporation, PGR. The second company is kind of the turnaround out of all of these stocks today. And it's Rider System, it's capital R, just a single letter R is its ticker. And yes, it's the Rider truck vans you see around. So commercial transportation, logistics, and supply chain, they do a ton on the commercial side, not just the vans you and I would rent. It has a market cap of $3.9 billion. So this is a mid-cap, and it's the smallest stock out of the ones we're going to talk about today. The PE is 13, so I like that. And it pays a nice dividend, 2.75%. So that's a nice yield. It has been underperforming the market for several years now, even year-to-date down 14%. Even though it's going to have earnings growth, this year, 2018, up 24%, and then 2019, another 14%. So the analysts aren't too negative here, and those estimates are on the move higher. But uh, that, with combined with the PE, gives us a peg ratio of 0.87, which is a value peg. A peg under one is um, saying that these shares are undervalued. So this one, while it hasn't been performing that great this year, and even over um, the last couple of years, as I said, it's been underperforming the S&P 500. But as value investors, maybe it's time to take a look and see what's going on with Rider System. Then we're going to turn to the banks. You knew I would bring a bank, right? Bring that insurance company and I bring a bank. So this one is East West Bank Corps. Ticker is EWBC. And it's a full service commercial bank. It has 130 locations, both in the U.S. and in the greater China markets, which is why I like it. It's got that good combination. It has offices in Hong Kong, Shanghai, Shenzhen, and a few other cities. And I like that combination. Like I said, it had total assets as of March 31st, 2018 of $37 billion. Let's take a look at that PE. It's at 13.9. So that's that's about where I'm seeing a lot of PEs on the banks right now. It has a market cap of $9.5 billion. So is that a large mid-cap? I guess it would be. Some might consider that still to be a large cap at that level. The dividend is on the little bit lower side, but it is qualifying. It's at 1.2%. Year-to-date, the shares are up just 68 Two years, though, up 86% because the banks really had that nice run, and now they're not having a nice run. But look at earnings, 2018 up 35%, 2019 expected to be up 8.4%. It did raise its dividend 15% in May, so maybe that's how we got that 1.2% dividend yield. So it is trying to give some cash back to the shareholders here. It's reporting on July 19th. So keep that in mind when you're looking at it. A lot of banks reporting here early in this uh, second quarter earnings season. And then let's turn to technology. So Intel, it's had its ups and downs. Now it just lost its CEO, but it's still cheap here. Intel ticker INTC 
it's not trading at a 52-week high. So it's one of those tech names that is not totally buying into this rally. Dividend yield 2.3%. So that's pretty nice. Year-to-date, the shares are up year-to-date 10.5. Two years, they're up 48%. This is going to be more cyclical because it's on the semiconductor side. Like that's true of any of the semiconductors. Market cap of $24 billion, so we got a big cap stock here, as you would have guessed. But earnings growth, 2018, so we're getting 16.5%. 2019, this is where the analysts don't know what's going to be going on with the semis, and it's up 43 But I'm not too worried about some slowing earnings growth here over the next couple of years. That's why they, we, we're getting the dividend here to kind of reward us for our patients. And if I can get these shares cheap enough then um, I can kind of hold these for the five-year period. So Intel, INTC. And then our final stock, I'm going to add another tech name. But yeah, it's one of the ones you're like, Tracy, this is so boring. Hewlett Packard Enterprises, HPE. Now this is different than HP Inc. Remember Hewlett Packard split into two a couple of years ago. HP Inc., which is ticker HPQ, if you're not confused already, that one is the printers and the computer side. Hewlett Packard Enterprises is what it says, the enterprise side. So worldwide IT, cloud, storage, networking. I do like both of them. And I think I've mentioned HPQ on, on prior show, but this time I'm going with HPE. Has a market cap of $23 billion. It has a P of only 10.8. So this is pretty cheap here. And year-to-date, shares up 7.2, so that's pretty good. And two years, up 36. So it's just beating the S&P 500, which is up about 29% over the last two years. Now, it has a plan to return a ton of cash to shareholders. It's returning $7 billion to shareholders. So it pays a dividend yield that is 3%. That's pretty juicy for this kind of stock and how cheap it is. Fiscal 2018 earnings, so it's on the fiscal year calendar, it just reported second fiscal uh, quarter in May, so it's going to have this third fiscal quarter coming up. But fiscal 2018 earnings growth of 50%, and then fiscal 2019, analysts a little more conservative here, at 4.9. But this kind of company with the enterprise side is kind of slow and steady. It's going to be the big cap that pays you the dividend. You get um, these kind of regular gains, hopefully, over, you know, the course of several years, most people don't care about it, you know, care if you own it or anything. Nobody's really talking about it. But these are kind of the secret hidden gems for us value investors, because, again, if we can get it cheap enough, that turns out to be a real nice prospect for us, especially over five years. So I bet you're wondering, why aren't there any small caps on here? Because remember, Ryder is the smallest cap company and it's mid cap out of these five. So I did have one on my top five list here. <laughs> I wrote it all out. And then as I continued on with some other stocks on the list, I was like, meh, I think it's too risky to own for five years. And I'm not saying that about all small caps. And this one in particular is a chemical company. It's been in business 90 years. So I wasn't concerned about it not being around in five years necessarily. It does pay that dividend. But it's a little more of a niche player, and it's hard to hold these smaller niche companies for longer times because what's hot right now, let's say a small 
um, exploration and production company or a small chemical company, it's hot because, you know, certain commodity prices are high. Um, and obviously the strong economy is helping out with chemicals, but it might not be in five years. And um, it's hard if they're not real diverse, which these companies know and they're trying. Some of them try to buy um, other uh, segments, other types of businesses within their business to try to diversify their revenue stream. Big chemical, a little bit different story. There were a couple that came through on my screen. I did think about putting one of them in, but small chemical, I decided at the last moment, meh, I'm going to stay on the sidelines with that. Many buy and hold investors are successful because they buy the building block companies like Warren Buffett, the example I gave at the beginning, and then later with the Geico insurance. That's just a basic building block type of company. He also buys many of the other basics, as you know, the furniture company, the candy company. These are just kind of, you know, ones you see at in every town. So banks, insurance, the basic tech companies like we have here, transportation, these are all the building block companies, and those are easier to hold over longer time periods. Now, sometimes those building blocks end up dying away and become a dying industry, kind of like newspapers, which Warren Buffett also has really loved over the years. But we've seen big changes in that industry. So you do have to stay on top of your companies and watch what the business is doing. But the biggest myth with buy and hold is that it has to be some glamorous company. There's always these examples of, oh, if you'd only bought the Amazon IPO or, oh, if you'd only bought, you know, any of the thing IPOs, basically. <laughs> but they never say, oh, if only you had bought that McDonald's IPO in like 1975, the return would be quite fantastic for that IPO as well. So... If it's cheap and it has growth, as all of these do, all of these are expected to have double-digit earnings growth in 2018. A lot of that could be because of the tax cuts, obviously. That's helping them on the earnings side. But still, we have double-digit earnings growth. We have PEs under 15. That's the best of both worlds. That's pretty rare. It's hard to find growth and value stocks. So remember, sometimes slow and steady does win the race. And sometimes just... Buying and holding is a good method for those of you who want to see if you can, if you have what it takes, let's put it that way, if you have that patience. And again, always remember to keep track of what your companies are doing, even if you have the long-term hold, because situations can change, management can change, products can change, they can sell off divisions, look at GE, a lot of long-term shareholders there, and it's a very different company or certainly will be over the next couple of years than what people who bought in even 10 or 20 years ago were buying. So keep that in mind. And always, again, as well, do your own research on a lot of these companies. We're getting them to report now in earnings. So listen to those conference calls. Go see what the analysts are saying. A lot of the they make their notes available to the public a lot of times on these companies and check in on those earnings reports and guidance to see what the outlook is going to look like. We're going to start to get some guidance for 2019 in here shortly too. So you can look a little bit to the future. So let's recap those tickers again. We had Progressive Corporation. That's the insurance company. PGR Rider Systems is just R. East West Bank Corps is EWBC. Intel is INTC. 
and Hewlett Packard Enterprises is HPE. And as always, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode here and all of our stock picks and advice on being a value investor. I bring it to you every week and you can get us on Apple Podcasts. We have a standalone show there now. Get the value investor there. And we're on SoundCloud under the Market Edge podcast. So you get two for one. And you can also get us as a standalone on Spotify. So we're everywhere. Be sure to subscribe and I'll see you again next week.